Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads. We're here to serve you in any way that we can. For more information about our resources or our church, you can check out hope at crossroads.org. Online, you can find access to other resources like devotionals and study books. Thanks again for joining us. And now let's start this week's message. Well, good morning. God is good, and all the time, amen, amen. You know, it was back in the summer of 1999 that we were at Sea Salt Camp with our students down in Conway, South Carolina, when in one of our worship services that night, toward the end of, of the time together, um, that something happened that I couldn't explain other than the Holy Spirit coming down uh, on a group of young people and leaders in the midst of a worship service where uh, just kids were just flocking to uh, the front of the stage. They were jumping over... Uh, chairs to get to the front of the stage just to pray and uh, just uh, confess sin and just ask God, Lord, to do something great in their life. And um, it was just uh, a beautiful thing because it wasn't planned. It wasn't rehearsed. It was simply a mighty movement of God in the lives of young people. Many of us followed this past year where something very similar happened on the campus of Asbury College where in the midst of a chapel service, the Holy Spirit just poured out on students and they were obedient to God. And it caught the eye of media and news uh, there in Kentucky, and then it spread into other states. And uh, I have many uh, ministerial friends and pastor friends who actually had an opportunity. Uh, they, they headed up there because, because this uh, outpouring of the Holy Spirit was, was so great that it lasted for weeks and weeks and weeks uh, to no end. And there was... There was singing, and there was praying, and there was people sharing their testimonies, and there was the preaching of the Word. And it wasn't planned. It wasn't rehearsed. Let me take that back. It wasn't planned by the school. But it was planned by the Creator. It was planned by God. And if we... If we go through the history of Christianity and, and how God has moved, it's been those times where it wasn't planned. It was just the Holy Spirit showed up and showed out, if you would allow me to elaborate there. So my question is, you know, we come uh, today on Sunday 
week after week after week. Today, right now, there are many services going on throughout the state, throughout the city. But my question is, what happens when the Holy Spirit comes? So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 today. Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to kind of, uh, we're going to pick up in verse 22. But I'm going to kind of give you the, uh, kind of the background leading up to this. So uh, Jesus has ascended back to the Father in heaven. And there have been people from many areas coming to Jerusalem for the feast, this festival called Pentecost, celebrated 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. And they were there. Many of them traveled this, this time. They were there uh, because they were there to celebrate. For many, it was, it was probably like a homecoming. They, were, they saw folks that they haven't seen in a while. And then something happened. The Bible says that it was as if like flames that came down and rested upon the disciples. And they began to speak in the languages of every single person that was there. And they heard the same thing in their own language. And the Bible says, and all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? And then there were others that said, well, these men have had too much wine. And that's when Peter, who, if you go back and understand, Peter had a way with words, sometimes in a good way, sometimes in not such a good way. But Peter says this in uh In verse 14, he says, Standing with the eleven, lifted up a voice and said, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. And then he quotes the prophet Joel, where Joel says, And in the last days it shall be that God declares that I'll pour out my spirit on the flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And he picks up in verse 22. He says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let... Your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to the, me the path of life. You will make, full, make me full of gladness in your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about our patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. 
But therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and that we all are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, having poured out this to you, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. And he goes on and he says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. You see, they were all together and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and they started sharing the same thing in all the different languages of every single person that was represented there at Pentecost that day. And there was those, every time there's a movement of God, there's going to be people who have some idea or some way of saying, uh, trying to... Uh, discredit what is going on and what God is doing. And we had that. And thankfully, Peter, who a lot of times walked with his foot in his mouth at this point, and all stood up boldly and proclaimed the gospel to those that were there. And he went on and explained from the Old Testament even into today that it was God who orchestrated this. It wasn't nothing that these men had done except be yielded to the Holy Spirit. So there's, there's four things that I want to talk about today. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes? And we see this early on in Acts chapter 2, is that the gospel is proclaimed. The gospel is proclaimed. Peter proclaimed the message with boldness and conviction. And he didn't stir away with it. He wasn't trying to make it sound well for certain people. He wasn't trying to tickle any ears. He was just claiming what God had given him, plain and simple. And when the Word of God is preached, the Bible says that it doesn't come back void. And Do you realize that every single week when the invitation is given, even though there may not be anybody that walks down the aisle to respond and all, there is a response that's going on in the chairs. Right there where you're at. Why? Because the Word of God doesn't come back void when it's preached. This is only possible with the power of the Holy Spirit. And all, Peter didn't do this on his own. Peter did it because the power of the Holy Spirit dwelt inside of him. And it wasn't just something that just happened. If you go back into Acts chapter 1, while they were waiting, as Jesus had told them to, what were they doing? They were praying. You see, they were praying. They were praying that the Holy Spirit would move. They were praying and all for each other. Verse 14 of chapter 1 says, All these were with, were with one accord, devoting themselves to prayer together, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. The reason that, that Peter had the opportunity, that Peter had the boldness and courage, because Peter prepared himself and all to be used by God before the Holy Spirit came and all when he started to pray. How many times 
And honestly, how many times do we pray for the Holy Spirit to move in our lives, in the life of our church, uh, before we get to church on that Sunday? How many times are we praying throughout the week that, that the Holy Spirit would not only move in our lives, but would move in the lives of each and every person that's here? We see the gospel proclaimed. The second thing we see is that hearts were convicted. As he goes on, verse 37 of Acts chapter 2 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When the gospel is proclaimed, hearts become convicted. Why? Because the truth penetrates the darkness each and every time it's spoken. You remember that time when you came to faith in Jesus Christ? When the Holy Spirit of God and all, uh, broke your heart to the point that you realized that, that without Jesus and all, your life meant nothing. That without Jesus in your life, that there was no way that you would be able to live this life and the things that were going to come with it. Hearts were convicted. The gospel penetrates hearts of men and women every time it is preached. And just for example here, it penetrated their hearts. Their eyes were open to the sin in their life. That is the power of God. And that's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon someone. Not only is the gospel proclaimed, but hearts are convicted. And the third thing is this, that sin is confessed. A result of the conviction in your heart. And all, uh, we, uh, the sinner asked the Lord in order to forgive them of their sins. They repent of the life that, and the things that they were doing. And they turn to God. The people realized that this was something that had to take place in their lives. There was something missing. And, all, and they realized, hey, we need help. And thankfully, and all, Peter was there to give them the answer that they were looking for. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Here's the key. In the name of Jesus Christ. Because there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. We just sang a song just about how great is our God. How great is our God. And all will see how great is our God. My prayer, my hope, is that each and every time that we walk in here, each and every time that we go to school, we go to work, is that people see Jesus and the power of God in our lives. Simply because there was a time in our life that we realized that our sin separated us from a great God who created us. And it's through the power of Jesus and his death on the cross that reconciled us if we would receive the gift of Jesus in our lives.
He says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, for the promise is for you and for your children and for who, all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. The great thing about the gospel is it's not just for us. The gospel is for everybody. It's for every single person that's in this room and that's outside of this, this building. Christ's death and crucifixion and his resurrection and all was God's plan for all mankind. That we would come to that point where we hear the gospel, that we, our hearts are convicted, that we respond to the gospel by confessing sin and repenting. And it's not just for us. It's for everybody. Verse 40. He says, And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. We have probably heard this this passage preached, if you've grown up in church, a hundred times or more. But I'm here to tell you, and all, there's sometimes that, that we hear a message so much and all that we, it becomes numb when we hear it. But I'm just asking you today, will you open up your hearts and open up your minds to see that there's a need for a Savior in your life and in the lives of those that you love who've not made that decision. And it's simple. And all, just as... Peter had the boldness and the courage to share the good news of Jesus, to share the gospel. And uh, if we will just have the courage and have the faith that as we are willing to yield our lives to the Holy Spirit and all that God will speak through us into that person's life and that just as our hearts were convicted one day, theirs would be too. Just as our eyes were open one day, their eyes will be too. And that they will confess their sin and they will experience a joy that they've never experienced before because joy only comes from the Lord. Joy comes from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The fourth thing that we see when the Holy Spirit comes, not only is the gospel proclaimed, not only are hearts convicted, not only is sin confessed and repentance taking place, but transformed lives take place as a result of that confession. Confession and repentance prepared the way for salvation for the thousands of people who got saved that day. Confession and repentance transform lives. The gospel, understand this folks, the gospel changes everything in our lives. Everything. Pastor Jack was talking the other uh, week uh, in his message that the gospel has to be central to everything that we do as a church, everything that we do as a follower of Christ. We can do a lot of good things, but if we, if we do it and on, the gospel is not center of the focus of everything that we do then they're good things, but are they God things? 
There was a pastor that once said, the greatest witness to the resurrection is a changed life. So I ask today, as I ask myself this week, do people see evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in my life? And I ask you the same thing. When you go to work, students, when you go to school, when you're out in your neighborhood talking to your neighbors, do they see the evidence of a changed life? Do they see the evidence of the resurrection of Christ? You see, revival begins when believers yield their lives to the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. We've been talking with our students the last several weeks about the fruit of the Spirit and how the fruit of the Spirit, the qualities of the fruit of the Spirit that we read about, uh, you know, it's not possible on our own. It's, it's only when we yield our lives to the Holy Spirit that we develop love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's not something that we can just kind of conjure up. It's something that, that the Holy Spirit has to do a work in our lives as individuals. There was a young pastor who came to, um, at the end of a church service, came to the evangelist by the name of Gypsy Smith, and he, he longed for, for revival to break out in his church. And he said, he said, Reverend Smith, he said, he said, what can I do to help our church experience revival? And Gypsy Smith said, huh? Go home, take a piece of chalk, and draw a circle on the floor. He says, then I want you to get inside that circle and kneel. And I want you to pray that revival comes to everyone standing inside that circle. He says, when revival comes to everyone in that circle, revival, you will start to see revival break out in the hearts of those pe the people outside of that circle. You know, and as I read that earlier, it was both encouraging and challenging because revival can't break out in other people's lives that we're longing for until we allow God to, to, break, to bring revival into our own hearts. He said, then revival will come to your church. Simply, that's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes. The gospel is central. It's central to it all. Because without the preaching of the word, there's no forgiveness of sin. So the gospel has to be preached. 
And then everything else takes place. Hearts are convicted. Sin is confessed and repentance. And then transformed lives will take place as a result. I know many of you in this room, and all you are a result of the Holy Spirit breaking out in your life. That transformed life that, that takes place as a result has happened in your life. But what I've also come to find out is the longer that we are a follower of Christ, if we don't stay committed to the Word of God, if we don't stay connected and close to Jesus, that joy of the Lord that, that surrounded our lives and our hearts when, when we first got saved and all can kind of be dull. So as I asked myself this week, are you staying close to Jesus? Are you allowing the Word of God to continue to penetrate your heart? I ask you that today, church. Because I believe with all my heart that God, through the Holy Spirit, wants to do something great in the life of this church. And He already is. We've seen glimpses of it. But I'm telling you, God wants to do even more. And it's going to take each and every one of us to draw a circle and get in it and get on our knees and pray that God would bring revival to our hearts as individuals. And then, as a result, we'll see God bring revival to this church, to this community, to this city in ways that can't be explained outside of the power and the, the hand of Almighty God. What's your commitment today? Is there sin that needs to be confessed? And, and remember, and all, just because you're a believer doesn't mean that there's not sin in your life. It means that there's grace there when you do sin, but it still means that there should be an act of repentance and an act of confession of sin when we don't allow the Spirit to guide us and we allow the, the flesh to win out in any given day, in any given struggle or battle. What's your commitment today? Will you take the challenge? Will you draw that circle on the floor? And will you have the courage to step in it and pray that God bring revival to your heart? And as a result, that God will bring revival to others' hearts as well. And that through that, that we will see the power of God. And we'll see lives being changed and transformed. Not because of something that we say, but because of what the Word of God says and proclaims and promises. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that uh, you are in our midst today. Lord, I thank you that... Revival isn't something that we plan. It's something that you do in the hearts and lives of men and women, boys and girls, who simply yield their lives 
to the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. And it's a daily thing. It is a minute thing. It is an hourly thing. So Father, I pray today that we will allow the Spirit of God to move in our lives the way that we read that the Holy Spirit moved in the lives of those at Pentecost that day. In your name we pray. Amen. I don't know how God has spoken to your heart, but I, I trust that when the Word is spoken that it doesn't come back void. So whether you need to come and pray as an individual, as a family, whether you need to come and, and ask one of our pastors to pray with you, you do work. And if you're here today and you've never made that most important decision to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, would you have the courage to trust the one who loves you more than anyone to give your heart to Jesus today? As we sing and all you respond as the Holy Spirit leads. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads. We're so glad that you joined us for the message today. If Pastor Jack or any of our team can serve you, please reach out to us. You can send us an email at jack at hope at crossroads.org or by visiting our website. We would be most grateful to know where you are listening because we have people all over the world listening to our podcast. You can send us a message through our website. We would appreciate your prayers for us as we are in the midst of a building campaign to reach more children and families in our local community in Greenville County, South Carolina. If you would like to help, you can always make your gift online at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads.